You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, welcome in to a Thursday edition of Sportsnet Today. It's Logan Gordon along with you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. For our friends at Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, cracked foundation, Boeing foundation walls. They have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Welcome into a Calgary Flames game day. The Flames back in action Thursday night in Buffalo, getting set to take on the Sabres. It is game three of this five-game road trip for the Calgary Flames. Dan Vladar will get the start in goal for the Calgary Flames. It is his first start of the season. Coming up in just moments, we'll hear from head coach Ryan Huska on a game day along with Nikita Zadorov, a one-time member of the Buffalo Sabres, and Flames defenseman Dennis Gilbert, a Buffalo native, who will be playing in front of friends and family tonight for the Flames. Also on the program today, Matt Rose has your Stamps report. Ahead of a big game for the Stampeders against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders on Friday, against the BC Lions, excuse me, on Friday. And we'll take a look at the opposition the Buffalo Sabres did to take a big leap this year with some of their young talent. Paul Hamilton, Sabres reporter for WGR Sports Radio 550 in Buffalo, going to join us to take a look at the Sabres squad we will see tonight against those Calgary Flames. Quick reminder, early puck drop once again on Thursday. It is a 5 o'clock puck drop. That means Pat Steinberg has your Flames pregame at 4 this afternoon. He'll take you all the way up until five where Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson will be on the call. Flames and Sabres right here on your home of the Calgary Flames. Sportsnet 960, the fan. How are we feeling? I had a game three. Big test tonight. The Sabres picked up their first win on the season. The other night when they welcomed in the Tampa Bay Lightning. So they're feeling good. We had this news yesterday, but it was confirmed today that Dan Vladar will get the start in net. That courtesy of our pal Eric Francis, who is on the ground in Buffalo. Plan was actually to see Dan Vladar get his first start of the season in Washington on Monday, but he was dealing with a bit of an illness. So he moved it over to uh, Thursday night's game. So we're assuming Dan Vladar will go Thursday night against the Sabres. We'll see Jacob Markstrom on Friday night against Johnny Gaudreau and the Columbus Blue Jackets. No word on lines or deep pairings. Have to wait a little bit later on until Flames warm-up starts from Buffalo to get an idea of how Ryan Huska is planning on deploying his troops for this game. But again, a chance for the Calgary Flames to... Pick up some points on this road trip. They obviously are winless so far in two games. 
dropped the opener of this road trip on Saturday night to the Pittsburgh Penguins, and then a shootout loss to the Washington Capitals. Good chance for them to pick up two points tonight. Sabre squad expected to start uh, rookie goaltender Devin Levi in goal tonight. So a big matchup for your Calgary Flames. Let's head to Buffalo. Get you set on a game day by checking in with the head coach of the Calgary Flames, Ryan Huska, following an optional morning skate for his crew. Talk to the media ahead of Thursday's matchup with the Buffalo Sabres. So coach, uh, looks like Dan is ready to go. He is ready to go. Do you like to talk about who your starters not, are going to be? Not typically. I mean, it's <laughs> early in the year, of course, but, um, you know, I, Dan's playing tonight. I can say that. It's um, As we get going, I don't think I'd be so forthcoming, but uh, he's ready to go for sure. And I think... He, there was a chance you were going to see him earlier in the week. He wasn't feeling that good. Yeah, unfortunately, he came down with uh, a little something, but that's all in the past now, and he's he's ready to go. Yeah. How uh, you get kind of a day off here in Buffalo, just being able to use maybe the time to you know recharge after a training camp and kind of get everything back up and running here in the middle of this trip? Do you yeah. feel like you kind of took advantage of that and ready for tonight? I think so. And then we had a good practice yesterday, which yeah. is something that maybe is more important for coaches. Um, they came ready to practice, and I thought we had some good pace and good tempo to our time on the ice. And uh, now we have an opportunity to try to get our first road win of the year. So that's what we'll look forward to doing. When you're, uh, I was talking to Nikita a little bit about just sort of some of the periods that you've touched on to where you know you've had dominant kind of you know stretches. Yeah. Um, you know, is it about kind of building building on those, uh, trying to string those types of periods together that'll inevitably lead to more success? Yeah, you want to be consistent without a doubt in that area, and then when you have those stretches when you're playing well, you want to finish your opportunities, and then the flip side of things is you don't want to um, do anything that'll allow your opponent to get something against you. So yes, it's continuing to build and go in the right direction, make it consistent and finding a way to do a better job of finishing. Does it feel like the more you have of those, the, the more opportunities it looks that, that you know, it takes one or two of those finishes to finally come and then maybe that kind of opens things up a little bit for your group? Sometimes. I mean, there's a we can do a few things differently in how we we're playing offensively. Um, but a lot of times that's what it comes down to. If you stick with things long enough, eventually things will turn for certain guys. Um, as long as the work is always there. If the work's there, then eventually good things will happen. Well, focusing on your own team, what is it about uh, your opponent tonight that concerns you? Um, lots. I mean, they have a good, young, fast, big, skilled team. Um, so if they're, if they're given a lot of room or if they're given a lot of power play opportunities, they'll be a hard team to handle for sure. How much does Tanner help Dennis Gilbert on that back end? And how much does that whole top four, you're so strong and deep back there, help you? Yeah, Chris uh, in particular, no matter who he plays with, um, he always finds uh, to get the best out of his partner. And I think that really is a credit to Chris and the way he plays and the way he, um, I guess he sells, sets his partner up for success. So he's, a, he's, a, he's an excellent defender for us. And um, no matter who we've paired him with, he's been good in that area. Um, our top four guys, if you want to call them that, I don't even know if top four is the right way to talk about them, but they've been together for a while now. Um, Mackenzie was the newest guy, you know, last year, but um, yeah, I, I think they have an understanding of what's expected out of them now. Um, there's a little bit more comfortability with each other, um, and they know we need them to be at their best in order for our team to win. That's one of the strengths of our team, along with our goaltending. Dennis, a classic case of a guy going home. He just wanted to play his game and not try to do too much. Right? Yeah, absolutely. You keep it simple. I remember last year here, though, I think he had, 
half the rink was Gilbert family. It was pretty neat to see. So hopefully that's the same tonight. And as you said, just keep it simple. Play to his strengths, which are just a hard nose, um, in your face type game. But if he chips in another goal, he'll we'll take, take that. No problem. Yeah. Ryan, in a perfect world, like everything's firing on all cylinders. What does this team look like to you on the ice? Like, what, what's the identity? I think it's just really a team that's hard to play against. You know, you don't give a lot of time and space. Um, we may not have the um, most physical group. Uh, we may not have the m most offensive group in the league, but we have a lot of guys um, that are really good hockey players. And when you play the right way together, they're hard to play against because they don't leave a lot of room. And when you're creating um, situations like that, you're going to create some turnovers. And um, we have a lot of guys that have the ability to finish. It's just finding a way to get them the puck a little bit more often and, and playing together and playing tight is the way we'll do that. Coach, this early in the season, is it more when you're preparing for, of course you're going to scout the Buffalo Sabres, yeah. but is it more maybe what you're doing and concentrating on what you need to do than maybe more than what the Buffalo Sabres are doing to you? I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, you, you always have to give your, your players every bit of information they need to have success. So our job is to set them up to be successful. So they need to know what they're facing tonight, um, both in regards to team tendencies and individual tendencies. But without a doubt, um, we still spend a lot of time on our game. Um, and we will continue to do that throughout the year um, because at the end of the day, that's what's important. And if we're comfortable with how we want to play the game, um, we feel like most nights will be just fine. Yeah. Talking to Dennis about it, he's obviously like a lot of partners who play with Chris, really blown away about the intricacies of this game. Like he just said he doesn't think that he's ever seen anybody with the vision find the middle of the ice better. Can, can you speak to that, just how good Chris is at, at finding the middle of the ice and how that might help everybody else? Yeah, I don't even think it's just finding the vision. Like you think around the league of some great offensive players that they have just instincts as to where they know the puck's going to be. Chris is that way defensively. Um, so he picks up seams that are open and he knows what he has to take away based on what he's seeing. Um, and part of that is his ability to read four checks that are coming at him. And that's why he's able to hit the middle of the ice a fair bit. Um, and I think his experience too, the age of him, he's been around a while. He understands how to handle pressure a lot. But a lot of it is his smarts in regards to the defensive side of the game. Like he's a really bright defenseman. He really is. Um, we're still working on it um, and I think a lot of it is just turning the page you know everybody comes with a new season and what we we don't want to do is look back we just want to make sure they're always focused on what's right in front of us and um, we feel like if we can keep them in the now and in the present then we'll give ourselves an opportunity each night. Flint State coach Ryan Huska Thursday in Buffalo after an optional morning skate for his crew gets to take on the Buffalo Sabres again an optional morning skate no lines or deep pairings. We do know that Dan Vladar gets the starting goal for the Calgary Flames. On the Buffalo side of things, Devin Levi gets the start in goal. They will line up like this. Skinner with Thompson and Tuck. Paterka, Dylan Cousins, Krebs, Greenway with Middlestad and Benson. Gergensons with Yost and Ocposo. On the defensive side of things, it's Rasmus Dahlin with Samuelson. Power with Yoki Haru. Clifton with Johnson, that courtesy of Lance Lakowski, who covers the Buffalo Sabres for the Buffalo News. We'll hear from Nikita Zadorov, former Buffalo Sabre at one point in his career, and hometown boy Dennis Gilbert before the hour is done. Uh, but yes, quick reminder, 5 o'clock uh, puck drop tonight with Derek and Megan, 4 o'clock Flames warm-up with Pat Steinberg. We'll turn things over 
to our pal Matty Rose now. Stan Peters coming up with a big matchup against the BC Lions Friday. Uh, a win, and they could possibly punch their ticket to the CFL's postseason. They still need some help from the Toronto Argonauts who take on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders this weekend, but uh, a good chance for the Stampeders to have some important games down the stretch. They're getting set for a big matchup Friday at McMahon. We'll check in on a Thursday, see what's up with the Stampeders. Turn things over to our pal Matt Rose. This, this is the Stamps Report with Matty Rose. The Calgary Stampeders are on a bird out to BC ahead of their Friday game against the division rival Lions. Calgary and BC both going to have something to play for in this game. For the Stampeders, a trip to the playoffs still possible despite a down season from the club. If the Stampeders beat the Lions Friday and the Rough Riders lose to the Argos Saturday, Calgary gets into the postseason. Riders will miss and Calgary can maybe rest some banged up players in their final game of the season against Winnipeg. If the Stamps and Rough Riders have the same result this weekend, both win win or both lose, the Stampeders would have to win their final game against Winnipeg to get in, while the Rough Riders watch with both BC and Sask, having Week 21 buys them and the Elks. Worst case scenario, Calgary losing Friday, Riders win Saturday. That would give Calgary uh, a miss of the postseason. Riders would get the final playoff spot. Calgary would miss for the first time in 18 seasons. As for the Lions, if they win, they can still get a first round bye. Don't have the tiebreaker against Winnipeg, so they need to win this week and have the Blue Bombers lose their remaining two games against the Elks this Saturday than the Stamps in the final week of the season. And a note on the Bombers as well. Sounds like standout receiver Dalton Schoen might be done for the year. A big blow for the Bombers offense. But the focus is on the Stamps and the Lions. Talked about the Stampeders getting healthy all week and the depth charts show that they are in fact healthy. Four changes to the roster. Most notably, Reggie Bagleton returns. Unfortunately, Floyd Allen the casualty coming off the roster after his big game last week. They're getting Canadian receiver Tyson Middlemost back. He'll replace Ryson John does some really good work on special teams too. On the offensive line, Bryce Bell is back. He'll serve as the sixth lineman for this one. Terrell McLean hits the six-game injured list, but Mike Moore will return to fill that void on the defensive line. And also, good to see Renee Parrott is on the roster. A shoulder injury limited his practice week, but he's on the roster and he should be good to go. Mike Rose missed a day of practice to start the week, but was a full participant for Tuesday, Wednesday. What season he's having. What a season he's having on the interior of that defensive line. He's now 31. He's got 10 sacks on the year for the first time in his career that surpasses his previous total of seven set in the last two seasons. Puts him fifth in the league, but first for interior D-lineman. Matthew Betts is in BC. He has a whopping 17. Bryce Carter in Ottawa, AC Leonard and Jake Ceresna with the Elks. They all have 12, but all four of those guys typically play off the edge. Talk to Mike Rose about the challenge at hand and that group around him as they prepare for Vernon Adams Jr. and the BC Lions. We're here with Mike Rose. We're getting set for a big game against BC. Obviously, you had to get that win against Saskatchewan to help you guys get into this position. Mm-hmm. How was that game for you? What did you see out there? It was uh, it was nice to win. I, you know, you forget how that feeling is, and sometimes when you put in all this work to get there, you forget the journey of just winning. Sometimes it's nice to win. It, was, it felt nice. Now, like you've been here as a stamp here for a while now, you're used to a lot of lot of winning at home. Mm-hmm. That's been different this year. Does that kind of factor in as well? Yeah, it was. It was. It's different. A win at home and a win on the road. The road is like a we conquered some, but at, but at home is more like we're supposed to win here, and we haven't done it as of late. But it's nice to get the win, especially over SAS. Yeah, the green beating yeah, the green helps. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it definitely helps. Yeah. So tell us about BC now. You got Vernon Adams Jr. on the other side. What's this challenge going to be like? 
Vernon's going to throw that ball. He's going to run around. You know, Vernon's a good player. He's having a great year. So we, we got to do our best to limit what him and them uh, receivers are going to do. You know, hell, they might try to run the ball. I don't know. All I know is we have to we have to find a way to limit that explosive offense. Tell us a little bit about this defensive line. It's had to transform a little bit with the James Vodders injury in the year. How is that group uh, kind of trending here? Oh, man, they show up to work every day. That's a good group of people, man. Also great guys, good community guys. You know, we got Derek Wigan, the president of the CFL. You know, House has been having a good year just rushing. You know, he doesn't have the numbers, but he's been rushing. And and Isaac, I, I believe, you know, Isaac's a top Canadian defensive lineman in the league. I, I hope he gets the recognition he deserves. You know, I think we got a great group, man. We got a good young guys, too. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about Kalon Thomas, who uh, got a little media attention after his real solid game against the Riders. What was that like? Keelan doesn't need any media attention. I want his head to be as small as possible. He is a good player. I'll leave it at that. He does have a pretty big head, though. Extremely. Good luck, Mike. Thank you. One thing noticeable in that chat, Mike saying maybe they'll run the ball. It's comedic, but you go and look at the stats. The Lions have only rushed the ball 282 times this season. That's 19 times less than the next group and 56 times less than the league average. They've also only amassed 1,333 rushing yards. That's 149 yards less than the next group and 446 yards less than the league average, both league lows. Just means the secondary going to have to be that much more on their toes, but disrupting Vernon Adams Jr., on the D-line, that would go a long way as far as helping out the defensive backs. Friday, 8 o'clock start for the Stampeders and the Lions from BC Place. Right after the Flames and Jackets, strap in for seven hours of commercialized Calgary sports or something like that. Red Zone, am I right? With your stamp support, I'm Matt Rose. Thank you, Matty. Appreciate that. Yes, Lions and Stampeders kick off the CFL week Friday night, 8 o'clock. From BC is a doubleheader on Saturday. Argos in Saskatchewan at 2 o'clock, 5 o'clock in Winnipeg. The Elks taking on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Of course, we're focused in on a Calgary Flames game day on Thursday night in Buffalo into Columbus on Friday. Part of a busy NHL schedule on this Thursday. We'll check in on the Buffalo Sabres side of things coming up a little bit later on this hour. We'll also hear from Nikita Zadorov and Dennis Gilbert. But a quick look at the uh, out-of-town scoreboard for tonight. You've got the Toronto Maple Leafs. In Florida, it's against to take on the Panthers. Nashville is in New York, it's to take on the Rangers. It's the Canucks and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Sportsnet 1 at 5.30 tonight. Edmonton Oilers, Philadelphia Flyers, Minnesota, LA, Arizona, St. Louis. Vegas is in Winnipeg. Anaheim taking on Dallas. Seattle hosting the Carolina Hurricanes. Colorado and Chicago. Big battle there. Of course, Nathan McKinnon, former first overall pick, welcoming in Connor Bedard. For an 8.30 puck drop, Sportsnet West and Sportsnet 1. We'll cover that game following the Oilers game and the Flames game. And your late one tonight, the Boston Bruins are out West. Getting to take on the San Jose Sharks. We'll take a break. We'll come back on the other side. Time for a look at the opposition. High expectations for Don Granado and the Buffalo Sabres. They've got a great young core of players. Can they turn that into playoff success? We'll talk to Paul Hamilton, Sabres reporter for WGR Sports Radio. 5.50 around the corner to get a look at the Sabres tonight. We'll also, again, hear from former Buffalo Sabres defenseman Nikita Zadorov, now making his home with the Calgary Flames. And Dennis Gilbert, the hometown boy, always playing in front of lots of friends and family whenever he comes to Buffalo. Expect the same tonight. He's excited to go. We'll hear from him coming up a little bit later on. It's a Calgary Flames game day. 4 o'clock Flames warm-up. 
5 o'clock puck drop with Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson. Sportsnet Today rolls on right after this here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Welcome back to Sportsnet Today on a Calgary Flames game day. Flames in Buffalo tonight. Looking to pick up their first road victory of the season. It's game four on the year for Ryan Huskin, the Flames, and the third on the road for them. Into Columbus on Friday night, where they got to focus on a one and two Sabres team tonight. Their goaltending matchup looks like it'll be Dan Vladar for the Flames and Devin Levi for the Buffalo Sabres. Four o'clock Flames warm up with Pat Steinberg. Five o'clock puck drop with Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson right here on your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, the fan. The Buffalo Sabres looking to end a 12-season playoff drought this year. They've certainly got the young talent to do so. Can they turn this season into the one that ends that playoff drought? It'll be a very interesting team tonight. Very happy to welcome in our next guest down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. For our look at the opposition, Paul Hamilton joins us from WGR Sports Radio in Buffalo. Paul, thanks for the time today, sir. How are you? I'm well, yeah. The Flames have been here since Monday night, so they couldn't even get in the locker room because the Tampa Bay Lightning were here for a Tuesday game. Uh, So, you know, they've been here for a while. They had the one day off, and then they practiced here yesterday. Uh, But uh, the coaching staff got a chance to be here and see the Lightning game against the Buffalo Sabres. And it was, you know, it's only the third game for the Sabres, but... It's hard to say. I mean, they needed a win. They had lost their first two to the New York Rangers and the New York Islanders. And as you mentioned, uh, they they feel they have the guns to break that playoff drought. They only missed by one win last year. But part of the reason why is they went on an eight-game losing streak early in the year where they did not even get a loser point. Mm. 16 points were available, and they got none. And at the end of the year, they missed the playoffs by one win. So, you know, they they looked at it that, you know, they ha- here are the Tampa Bay Lightning. They weren't going to face a tight-checking defensive team like they did against the Rangers and the Islanders. And they were also facing a goalie in Jonas Johansson, who basically belongs in the American Hockey League. So they, they felt that maybe this is an opportunity to get the offense going. They didn't do that. I mean, they they scored the first two goals and had to go to overtime in a game that they probably were the better team throughout because they declined to take shots. Yeah, They were passing up shots for the pretty play. They were getting offensive opportunities, but they weren't taking shots against a goaltender who let in three goals and probably wanted two of them back, including the overtime winner. So here's Tage Thompson, who hasn't gotten on the board yet. He's on a line with Alex Tuck and Jeff Skinner. They did score their first goal of the year against Tampa Bay, but uh, it's it's just a line that's kind of waiting to to explode, waiting to get going, uh, and it, it was a little bit better for them offensively. But they weren't able to get the puck in the net, other than the one time that they did that uh, they finally scored for the first time in three games. Yeah, interesting, and, and like you said there, Paul, not like they can wait very long, especially after last year's lesson about slow starts and how that can cost you late in the season. They'll definitely be looking for that line, among others, uh, to start producing at a level that's more probably to their, their skill set and what they were able to do last year, even though that might be hard to match for a guy like Tage Thompson who came onto the scene in, in just an incredible way last year. Has the expectations for Tage gone up in your mind based on that 94-point season he had last year? 
Well, I think Tage Thompson would have been a 50-goal scorer if he didn't get hurt the last two weeks of the season. Yeah. Uh, he went from eight goals to 38 goals the year before. Why? Because Don Granado said, you know what? He doesn't belong on the wing. He should be at center. Well, Tage Thompson hadn't played center since he was a kid. But that Granado could see that, get him off the wall, get him in the middle of the ice where he has options left, he has options right. It was the perfect thing to do. As I said, he went from eight goals to 38. And then the last year he would have had 50 had he, had he you know, stayed healthy at the end of the year. And then he's on a line with Tuck and Skinner. Tuck shows up from the Eichel trade. He almost scores 40. Again, injury stopped him from doing that as he had 38, which by far was a career high. And Skinner had 35, but what Skinner did was have more assists than he's ever had before. He improved his game also. It was more than just a guy that can score goals. It was a guy that could play a little bit better overall game and up to his assists. So, you know, they got that good top line together. And then here comes Dylan Cousins, who at 21 years old was the old man on his line with J.J. <laughs> Paterka and Jack Quinn. I mean, and, and, and they blossomed. Here's Dylan Cousins. He went from 13 goals to 31 goals. Yeah. Jack Quinn, the second half of the season, really blossomed into a good player. But now he's sidelined till Christmas time with an Achilles injury. But that put two lines together. And now they've got Casey Middlestat centering the 18-year-old Zach Benson and Jordan Greenway, who's no longer injured. And they've really, honestly, have been Buffalo's best line so far, the three of them. Uh, the other two lines have had trouble getting going in the first three games. But uh, Greenway, Middlestat, and Benson have led the way, and the three of them are tied for the Sabres' leading scorers. Yeah, I've got to ask you about some of these these young players, Paul, even younger than maybe some of the core of this Sabres team that are going to have a big impact. Uh, we're pretty familiar with Zach Benson here in Calgary as he played his WHL career just a few provinces over and had stops in Calgary over the years. What Was there an expectation that Zach could push for an NHL spot when he came into training camp, or did he just catch the Sabres off guard and sort of force his way onto the roster? Well, as you mentioned, the Sabres have three guys from the Winnipeg Ice. Uh, the year before, Matt Savoy was their number one pick, eighth overall, and Peyton Krebs came over in the Eichel deal. Mm -hmm. All played for James Patrick with the Winnipeg Ice, so they, they all were familiar with each other. Benson... He just, every time he showed up here after he was drafted, it's like, wow, look at this kid. Shows up for development camp. Then he shows up for the prospects challenge and, and is really great in that, uh, playing in, the, in those games. Then he shows up for training camp, not at all intimidated. And I remember the draft when he went 13th overall. The Sabres were absolutely astonished that he was there. They thought 100% for sure he goes in the top 10. As it turned out, they were trying to trade into the top 10 to get him. Wow. They didn't have to. No. Because he was sitting there at 13, and they're like, why is he there? <laughs> and, of course, they, they scooped him up right away. And as it turned out, he made the team. And he's not like – I'll, I'll give you an example against the New York Islanders. You all know Matt Martin is going to kill you if you give him a chance in the corner. He hits hard. Yep. Well, he got a hold of Benson – knocked him down, sat on him. Benson got up, pushed him out of the way, went behind the net, kicked the puck out in front of Middlestad, who scored a goal. That's how relentless he is. 
He has not been out of place at all. Of course, as you know, he gets nine games before they have to make a decision on if they want to send him to junior. And quite honestly, they haven't said so. I would guarantee you they have made their decision. Whether they've told him yet to go get an apartment, <laughs> I don't know, because they might not want to let him know until game nine. Yeah. But he can go get an apartment. He's not going anywhere. You know, he has made this team. He has been a eye-opening, like, wow, as an 18-year-old, and he's not going anywhere. Uh, another guy that I think Sabres fans would be happy if he stuck around for a very long time, uh, young goaltender Devin Levi has started every game this season, Paul, for the Buffalo Sabres. What have your been, uh, impressions been of, of young Devin Levi in this starter's role to start the season? Well, again, they wouldn't say it over the summer, but we all knew Devin Levi was their number one goaltender. He showed up out of Northeastern University for the end of the season. For the first time in 12 years, the Sabres are playing for the playoffs. He, these are the most important games this franchise has played in 12 years. He started every single one of them. He just shows up. Here you go, kid. Get in the net. And he started seven games in a row. And that told us right then and there what they feel about Devin Levi. It wasn't too big for him. He's 21 years old, and he did a great job and really backboned the team to help them get down to the last week of the season. You look at it, they lost 2-1 to one to Florida. Had Buffalo won that game 2-1, the Sabres would have been in the playoffs and the Panthers would not have been. That's how close it was. And Levi was great in goal. He showed the team they could have faith in him. So even though they gave you the company line, well, he's going to have to earn it in camp. You've heard it all. Everybody knew that he was their goalie and the number one goalie, including the other two, and Uka Pekalukinen and Eric Comrie. They, they both knew. So uh, here, here they are, and he's getting the first three starts, and he may not get out of the net until next Monday or Tuesday when they have their first back-to-back with a home game against Montreal and a road game against Ottawa. So he's probably in the net till then, and then they'll worry about who's going to start one of those two games. And they don't know if he can go 50 games. They don't know if he can go 55. They don't know if he can go 40. He's never had to before. Yeah. In college, you play Friday and Saturday night. Yep. And he played a lot at Northeastern, but it wasn't an NHL schedule where it's every other night or, or back-to-backs. And he played the back-to-backs for the Sabres last year at the end of the year. But they don't know exactly what kind of workload he can get. So it's going to be trial and error as they go along. Their sports science people will let them know what kind of fatigue he might have. And they'll see how much they can play him. But He's definitely the number one guy at age 21. Uh, Paul Hamilton along with us this afternoon. Sabres report for WGR Sports Radio 550 in Buffalo. Taking a look at the opposition for the Calgary Flames tonight. Uh, Paul, I'd love to ask you what kind of boon it was for Sabres fans to get the future of their blue line locked up the last couple of weeks with long-term deals handed out to Rasmus Dahlin and Owen Power. Well, as you can imagine, people around here, and this is, yeah, we're, this is a football town with the Buffalo Bills, but they love their Buffalo Sabres too. And nobody believed Kevin Adams when he showed up. It's like, who are you and why are you the GM? You have no experience whatsoever. And, of course, so people were very, what type of a deal? Show us. And they didn't believe him what he said. It's like he said we are going to draft well, we are going to develop our own, and we will pay our own. In the beginning, they had to go get Ben Bishop and guys like that to hit the salary cap floor. 
Well, they don't have to do that anymore because, as he said, we will pay our own. Tage Thompson was the first one in line. Well, they weren't going to pay Tage Thompson two years before that, so nobody believed him when he said that. But that's exactly what happened is they paid Thompson, and then they paid Samuelson, and then they paid Darlene, and then they paid uh, Power. Cousins was in there, too. I skipped him. So there's five guys from their core who have all gotten seven- or eight-year contracts. They genuinely want to be Buffalo Sabres. These guys are the best of friends, and they aren't just putting on an act. You can go around Buffalo. You see them together. They'll head over to Darlene's house after practice and play video games together. <laughs> I mean, you, just to see them in the locker room. It used to be when Eichel and those guys are around, they couldn't get out of that locker room fast enough. Nobody wanted to talk to the media. Yeah. They, were, they were just like – now they're sitting in there with their equipment on, having a great time. If you want to interview one of them, that's fine. They, they're, they're, they're all just sitting there enjoying each other's company, even with the media in the room there. They are genuine friends. They want to be here, and they want to win together. And they are part of this community. They want to win for this community because this community has never won an NHL or NFL championships. They've won an AFL championship, but we're talking about the 60s here. We weren't around for that. <laughs> I, well, I don't know you very well, but I'm assuming you weren't around for no, that. No, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and neither was I. And uh, so, you know, they want to bring a championship to Buffalo, not only for themselves, but for these fans. So it's it's just a total turnaround what Kevin Adams has been able to, done, to do rather for these this team but he's invested in these guys, and they're not done. I mean, Levi will get a contract. Quinn will get a contract. I think J.J. Paterka will get a contract. They will lock up the full core, and they will be at the salary cap when it is appropriate. They're getting there. They're not quite there yet, but they're getting there. And But it's a show-me thing. The, the, the fans didn't believe Kevin Ams, but now they're looking at it going, hmm, I guess he meant what he said. We don't see Buffalo very often out west here. Obviously, we're one of the teams that generally just stick to the, the one home game, the one away game. Paul, for our listeners out here, when Don Granado's got his team going in the right direction, the direction he wants to, what kind of identity would you say this Buffalo Sabres team sort of encompasses on their best nights? It's very easy. Don Granado believes in offense. He thinks hockey, you win with hockey, if the other team is so worried about your team that they're not playing their game and it distracts them for their game, he goes, first thing you have to do is learn how to score goals. He goes, if you can't score goals, you can't win in this league. Now, now that they've done that, they understand they have to be a little bit better defensively. That's one of the reasons why their goal thing was so bad last year, because no team gave up more outnumbered situations than the Buffalo Sabres last year, over six a game. So they understand that, all right, they're going to have to back it off a little bit. You know why Eric Johnson's here? And the first thing he talked about when he signed here in Buffalo, and by the way, he wanted to sign here in Buffalo. That's new. Not a lot of good free agents <laughs> want to come to Buffalo. Yep. So that's, that's something new. But because he sees a lot of what he saw in Colorado, he told us, he goes, you know what? We had McKinnon and Ranton and all those guys. They wanted to do just what the Buffalo Sabres want to do, run around and score goals, score goals, score goals. He goes, it wasn't until they realized they had to play a little bit better defense. It doesn't mean you stop scoring goals. But he said what they realized was is when they played good D, they actually got more scoring chances 
because now you're tenacious on the puck in your own end. You get the puck back, and now you have control, and you're moving up ice, and you get into the offensive zone. He goes, so they realized, hey, we're still going to score goals, even though we're more responsible defensively. And that's what Eric Johnson is preaching, because he also was a number one overall pick. So he can know what Owen Power's going through. He knows what Rasmus Dahlin is going through. They have 6D. Three of them were number one overall picks <laughs> at different times in their careers. You know, so, so that's why he's here. It's not because at 35 they think the best Eric Johnson is to come, yeah. but he's just a solid addition. The Buffalo Sabres last year were one of the worst penalty-killing teams in the National Hockey League. They were 28th. They have killed 10 of their first 11 penalty penalties this year. Why? Because Johnson is out there. Connor Clifton is out there on the penalty kill. Jordan Greenway has done a phenomenal job on the penalty kill. Tage Thompson has gone out there and added those duties to what he does. And they really have turned in, at least in the first three games, to a very good killing team. But that is a reflection of Johnson. That's why they went out and got a guy like that who can sit in the locker. As Grunau said, he goes, I can harp on it all I want. He goes, it means a lot more when it comes from a guy who's 35 years old and won a Stanley Cup and then is talking about the same types of concepts. He goes, that resonates in the locker room. Uh, I believe that 100%. Paul, great insight. Thank you very much for taking the time out today on a game day. Very much appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the Flames and the Sabres again. I hope we can chat about uh, some more Flames, Sabres hockey down the road, sir. Yeah, call anytime. I enjoyed it. Appreciate it. Thanks very much. Take care. Take care. Paul Hamilton joining us for a look at the opposition down the Atlas Peach and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon from WGR Sports Radio 550 in Buffalo. Devin Levi will make his fourth straight start for the Buffalo Sabres tonight. It'll be Dan Vladar in goal for your Calgary Flames. Again, Flames warm up at 4 o'clock with Pat Steinberg before Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson have the call right here on your home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Let's check in with a couple more members of the Calgary Flames on a game day, including the hometown boy, Dennis Gilbert. Lots of friends and family in town, as always, for Dennis when he makes a stop in Buffalo. That was the case last year when he was up with the Flames, and that'll be the case again this year. A bit of a scary incident for Dennis at practice on Wednesday. Took a puck up high, had to go off for repairs, but is all good and ready to play in front of those friends and family tonight in Buffalo. Let's check in with the Flames defenseman a little bit earlier on Thursday on a game day. Today is probably not going to be like a Saturday afternoon. Yeah, it's a good amount of people again. Um, just family and friends and so blessed to have such a good supporting cast back here. So it'll be a fun game. Uh, what happened in practice yesterday now? Uh, just unlucky. It's always something it feels like. So I'll be okay. Just caught a puck up here, but... Nothing, nothing to worry about. You know, settling in the Flames organization, what have you been able to maybe evolve into over the last year or so, getting you know, better opportunities? Yeah, I mean, it's just to me, it's just been like a immediate day-to-day -day approach, like what's important now, and just trying to, um, you know, be in the moment and be focused on that day, not trying to have a too big of a grand scheme picture, just um, trying to get better every day and earn trust and earn teammates' respect and just kind of try to build on it. It's a real veteran D4 here, and you're playing with a veteran. First of all, what's it like playing with a guy like Tanev who's been in this league for, you know, a decade? Yeah, I mean, I've 
Um, I've sung his praises a lot. Like he's such a good player, and um, he makes it so easy. And whoever he's playing with, and the whole decor is a as a group of seven right now. Like we're all really tight. Um, we all have each other's backs. We all care about each other. And this, like I like you said, there's a lot of guys that have a lot of um, games played and experience and playoff stuff. And so it's it's uh, it's a wealth of knowledge for me to to lean, lean on and talk to them about stuff. And uh, definitely like a great situation. What's the biggest focus in your game right now for you? I think just continue to build from my end out. So be reliable when I'm on the ice, be good defensively, um, be physical, obviously, and try to impose your will in, in different parts of the game. Like you can't run around and, and chase after that stuff. Sometimes you got to kind of let it come to you because then if you're chasing after it or forcing it, like you're putting yourself out of position and it's not really what you want to do. So when it's there, obviously, take advantage of it and try to be physical and be a presence. But at the same time, like just your end out, like you can make plays in the offensive zone, but you got to make sure that you're buttoned up in your in your defensive zone and in transition before you even think about that stuff for me. What's it meant to What's it meant to, to maybe establish a bit of a rhythm here early in the season and to, you know, all those things that you just talked about earlier, I'd imagine a lot made a lot easier when you can, you know, get in every night and making sure that you kind of have that opportunity to get into that rhythm. Yeah, I mean it's 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 good obviously the more, like the more consistently you play, obviously the more comfortable you feel and you can Get acclimated with the speed, and if it starts to kind of really slow down for you, um, so that's that's obviously a, a, a nice thing. But also, like we said earlier, um, such a veteran decor and, and such a good group of guys that have a wealth of knowledge and experience, so it makes it really easy to to step in because you know what you're getting from everybody every night. Obviously, this isn't your first homecoming, but when you're battling for this spot in training camp, did you have this date circled on your calendar? I mean, I would be lying if I said I wasn't hoping I'd be in the lineup for the game. Um, but like I said, I just try to keep it day to day and just try to get better. And I had a little injury during training camp, too. So that hiccup was unfortunate. But the training staff was great. And I was able to come back really quickly and um, kind of get back on the ice with the guys and, and get rolling. So um, I'm obviously happy I've gotten the opportunity to play some games as of late and uh, just trying to be consistent and keep it going. When you were here in the summer, 11-day power play, I mean, how much did the goal come up? Um, I mean, from my friends and like family, not a lot, but from everybody else, quite a bit. Um, they like to give me a hard time more than sing my praises, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that was such a cool event, like something that it was my first year. Like I've played in it for years now, but my first year um, really taking like a leadership role with it and running a big group of guys and raising a lot of money. And we raised over $50,000. And uh, I mean, I'm so, so proud of that and so proud of my friends and family for contributing. and and what we're able to do and really make a big difference in the community. So something we'll definitely, I'll definitely keep keep doing going forward. And it's kind of like a new tradition amongst uh, my friends and I. So we're excited about it. Did you remind people when they were talking about the hey, I was a game winner too? Yeah, I mean, it all comes out in the wash. It was 7-2. So I don't, I don't think it was a difference maker. It was definitely cool though. Like I said after the game, um, as cool as that day was for me, like for my parents, my grandmother, my siblings, um, my aunts and uncles, cousins, for them to see that, like they've come and seen me play in Amherst at the Northtown Center or whatever they're calling it now, like growing up and playing for St. Joe's and coming to Notre Dame and see me play in college and uh, travel to Chicago or the American League games, like they've been supportive the entire time. So as cool as last year was for me, um, it was kind of like my way of thanking them for always supporting me and a nice 20 minute drive instead of crossing the country was probably a little easier too. Flames defenseman Dennis Gilbert speaking to the media on a game day, his hometown of Buffalo. Lots of friends and family expected 
to watch Dennis in action with the Flames. One more member to hear from on a game day. That's uh, defenseman Nikita Zadorov, one-time member of the Buffalo Sabres, still with fond memories of his time in Buffalo, but excited to get back in action and pick up his first win on the road this season with the Calgary Flames. Here's Nikita Zadorov on a game day in Buffalo. Uh, October 19, 2013 was uh, your NHL debut 10 years ago tonight. In this building, oh wow. Yeah, that's Crazy, cool. Eh? Yeah. What, uh, ironic how it worked out. What do you remember about that day? Well, I got hurt in the preseason, so I kind of missed like first few games of the year. And then when I got back, I don't think our team was playing well, so they kind of gave me a chance. Play against Colorado, dressed us the 7D. I think I played like 15 minutes ice time was good. I mean, couldn't sleep whole night before that. It was uh, it was a good memory. Yeah. Do you? I mean, kind of funny how it works out in that it's two former teams now that they ended up playing Colorado. But you know, do you remember that day and, and kind of the nerves about it, or was it pretty pretty standard? Well, it was a lot of nerves. Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of nerves. I think uh, definitely. I mean, for every kid dreaming to play first sure. NHL game, it was yeah. for sure a cool experience. Yeah. I think you got your first goal the next next game against next Boston. Game. Yeah. yeah, like two days later, Good I did. Stuff. Yeah. Um, does it still kind of mean something when you come back to this building at all, or does it does it bring back any of that? Well, I mean, that's where my NHL career started. You know, it was a lot of good memories. Uh, two years spending here, you know, I think it's uh, a class organization. You know, that they, they took care of their players, did everything unreal in here. You know, unfortunately, I was the pack of the part of the package. Yeah. Went back to Colorado for O'Reilly trade, but I mean, it was uh, only positive things about Buffalo. You know, people were great to me. Um, it was kind of uh, live on my own first time in my life. You know, so it was kind of cool, definitely. I'm sure. I'm sure it flies by, like everyone says. But ten years into your NHL career, I mean, how much do you think you've evolved, and how much has the game kind of evolved as you stand here today? No, I know it's my 11th year. You know, I was uh, thinking about that before first game. You know, it's uh, the time flies by really quick. So I think it's uh, just the pleasure, and then uh, thankful to be here and then play in the best level I can be. But what about uh, where you guys are at, um, you know, specifically as a group? You're three games in, obviously one, one, and one. Record kind of speaks for itself. But how do you feel about things right now? Well, I feel like uh, we won the game we weren't supposed to win, and we lose the games we were supposed to win. Yeah. So I think it's kind of I think our team gets better past three games for sure, uh, based on the play. You know, we couldn't get it down against Wash, uh, and against Pittsburgh, it was just a bad stretch of like five minutes what cost us a game. But I think uh, definitely. The guys dialed in, you know, everybody buying in a new system, so they uh, we're improving in that particular thing for sure. I think it's definitely it's going to take some adjustment, like I said before, for us to uh, get going. But uh, so far, so good. I think we we're making a good progress. And it seems like if you kind of continue to put those periods together, like that first in Washington, like you said, and then a couple in the Pittsburgh, just that some of that goal, the goals will come with it to yeah. support that work. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the like our scoring chances increasing, our scoring chance against decreasing. So that's that's our focus, main focus for sure. We got a lot of skill. On the back end, a lot of skill on the front uh, to finish those opportunities. So uh, the goals will come if we play the right way. Happy anniversary and uh, good luck tonight. Thank you. Nikita Sidorov of the Calgary Flames. Back where it all started for him tonight in Buffalo. It is game three of this five-game road trip for the Calgary Flames. And it is a Calgary Flames game day brought to you by our friends at Country Hills Toyota. Pre-game with Pat Steinberg going at 4 o'clock. Puck drop with Derek Mills and Megan Mickelson at five right here on your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 
960 the fan. I'll put a wrap on the program today. Thank you to Paul Hamilton for joining us for a look at the opposition. If you need all things uh, Buffalo Sabres ahead of tonight's matchup, make sure you check out that interview with Paul. Matt Rose joined us for a quick stamps report on this Thursday. And of course, we heard from head coach Ryan Huska, Dennis Gilbert, and Nikita Zadorov all on a game day. Thank you to outstanding producers Cam and Taylor. Thank you for listening live or on the podcast. We'll turn things over to Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg next getting you set for a game day against the Buffalo Sabres. All your coverage all day long here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.